Why, hello there. I'm Gabby Taylor. And I'm Riley Friesen. And this is Wittenberg Radio. Today, it is September 6th. 2019, and Wittenberg Radio's first podcast of the school year. Woohoo! It's coming up tonight. So well. today on the show, for the first half, I speak with Russell Wilms, the athletics director here at CMU, about tomorrow, the blazer kickoff, and a little Ooh. bit about our athletics department. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, later on in the podcast, uh, you'll be seeing my live show from the Arts and Entertainment Coffee House that happened last night. And it was actually a fun time, I think, and I think it was a good performance, and just a completely made-up story, and, well, I had a couple ideas with it, but, you know, it was still fun to, you know, improvise the large portion of it, and, yeah, hopefully you guys will enjoy that, too. Great. I can't wait. Did we pass each other on the wall? We did, yeah. (laughs) Shoot. I was like, is that rest? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, uh, do you mind introducing yourself? Sure, I'm Russell Wilms. I'm the director of athletics. Perfect. And what's going on on Saturday? So we have our kickoff 2019, which is our our first soccer games of the MCAC season. Um, So they're happening um, tomorrow, which is Saturday, uh, September 7th at the Ralph Contafio Soccer Complex, which is located at 900 Waverly Street. Awesome. And so this is the first year doing something this big, correct? It is the first time doing this sort of like a larger campaign to the whole campus and community to come out to support athletics. Yeah. What inspired this idea? Well, it's a good question. Um, I think it kind of came out of student life's um, um, creative mind of trying to find ways to uh, initiate more community on campus. Um, We've been... uh, we have a very large crowd for a lot of our events, but a lot of them are not students, and so we really wanted, or, or staff or faculty. So we're really trying to uh, open it up to staff and faculty to really um, build that sort of like a community, because often if there's um, a student that will come, or a few students that will come, it will be kind of like, a, if there's not other students there, it's tough for them to connect. And so I think that would be a really good opportunity to start um, a larger thing. So what's the most beneficial part of students coming to games? Well, for the athletes and coaches, probably having that support. And, like, I think that every athlete or coach wants to see a lot of people out interested in how they do and supporting them. It gives them, like, a, an extra burst of energy. I think that the fun for the for the students, um, I'm a soccer supporter myself. I have Valor season tickets, and I've kind of seen um, the culture of soccer is so fun to be around with all the singing and the chanting. And I know that CMU is a very musical community, that I think there's opportunity for students to really, like, a uh, get into like writing songs that they could all sing together at the games and uh soccer tends to be from the north american perspective a very boring sport because not many goals are scored which we hope doesn't happen tomorrow but um but that sort of culture and fun uh is something that really makes it more entertaining than any other sport because it's so um it's so natural the way that that um that that uh, exuberance and joy comes out in song yeah so are you hoping for a win tomorrow on Saturday? oh absolutely hoping for two uh, so, so the men play at, at one o'clock, uh, which is a, a flip over. Usually, uh, in universities across Canada and the U.S., women always play first and men play second. And we've been doing that for tradition for a number of years in Manitoba. This year, we've decided to flip it to uh, to so um, all the men's sports will play the early match and the women's sports will play the later no- match um, for all MCAC sports. So that includes soccer and futsal and volleyball. Why the switch? Why the switch? Um, well, I think it's partly to like show gender equity. I think that um, 
the women have always had to play first. Um, also, you, I mean, it, I think that we, we want to show that, like, each gendered sport is equally important. Um, I don't know, coming from a music, uh, uh, if you go to a concert, often um, the opening show will not be the show you come to see. You'll come to see the later show, and um, that's not the way it is at all. And in, in our sports, um, our, our teams are very good in both men's and women's, and so uh, we want to highlight both genders. And so, and so does the conference, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, so on Saturday, mm -hmm. if you were to guess, how many people do you think will come to the game? Well, that's a good question. I, I'm, I would say that on a normal year, we would have in our opening game about 150 to 200 people. Okay. So I'm kind of thinking there might be about 400 to 500 people, which may be like the largest attendance in that stadium since, since the uh, Canada Games. <laughs> 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 Which would be fantastic, yeah. That would. Yeah. Okay. And so for student athletics, mm -hmm. what teams do you have this year? Sure. So um, we play in the Manitoba Colleges Athletics Conference in men's and women's soccer, men's and women's volleyball, and men's and women's futsal. And futsal is an indoor soccer sport, so those it's mainly made up of those soccer athletes that play an indoor version of soccer in the wintertime. Um, we also play in the North... north uh, the... <laughs> uh, the just got to remember what the exact abbreviation is. We play in the NIAC Conference, which is the Northern Intercollegiate Athletics Conference. Um, so that's where we play in basketball. So there's three schools from Manitoba in that, and then the other schools are all in North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota. What are the challenges working with schools from different states? Yeah, well, the big challenge is that the rules are different from one country to the next for basketball. So that's uh, a, a bit of a challenge. We play by FIBA rules in Canada, which is like the international way of playing basketball. They play by NCAA rules, which is an American college basketball rule system. So that's challenging. The ball changes then, um, the three-point line changes then, the the uh, shot, uh, the way you call timeouts change. It's, it's quite different. So it's challenging um, it's challenging for our players to adjust and more likely for their players to adjust because nobody plays by FIBA rules in the U.S. Um, and the other big challenge is just crossing the border. Um, for us, those challenges are not as great. We've had like one or two um, international students that don't have a permit to cross into the U.S. And so that um, has made it challenging at times for them. They have to apply for different sorts of permits. Um, for some of the American schools, they've never, uh, they don't have passports. And so um, that's been a challenge for, for them sometimes, that they have smaller teams when they come to Canada than they will if we go there. What yeah. are you looking forward to the most this school year for senior athletics? Yeah, well, I have to say, since I don't coach a sport anymore, like what we were talking about earlier of, of the joy of being a fan, um, it really gives me great joy when I see students um, taking advantage of this thing that students can come to for free. Um, often we think about as students, how do we save money? And uh, But we feel compelled to go out and spend money every Friday night or Saturday night. And so for us to provide entertainment on campus and like a community thing where you can cheer and watch very high-level sports um, for free, it's really a great uh, opportunity for students to take advantage of. Is there anything else I should have asked you? Um, you should have asked me ahead of time what the abbreviation <laughs> for NIAC is. <laughs> uh, no, I think you did great. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yep, no problem. All right, so. Sorry, we'll take place in the.
Greco-Roman era of Italy or Greece or wherever it takes place in that area. So, first off, there was one guy. Don't know his name, how to pronounce it, nothing like that, because, you know, it's Greek. Um, yeah, so he goes off to war, because he's sent off to war, because he has to for his country. And he's gone for six months, comes back home to his farm, because that's what most soldiers did, and realizes that since he's gone for six months, his wife is actually three months pregnant. Finds out it's Zeus that did it. And so he now has a hunt against Zeus, because he wanted, you know, to have his own kids. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know, it's very odd. And so then he realizes, I'm going to go to Mount Olympus, where Zeus is housed. So he goes and thinks, ah, this is a fantastic plan. I will go and defeat him myself with a sword, which to, you know, gods is more like a stick or a toothpick. And can easily be broken. And so he goes on his travel to go defeat Zeus, the god. On his travel, he leaves his small little village in the, what is now known as the Italian Alps, to go down to uh, wherever Mount Olympus is. I don't remember. I didn't take geography. And so he goes. But on his first day, his very first day, he meets another man that was wronged by Zeus also. Turns out, this man also went off to war and lost all his belongings, all his money, everything. And this guy was like, oh, that's not right, I need to go. Turns out the guy's Irish, I guess. <laughs> that's not what I expected, but I guess it's the one we're going to use for man number two, also a Greek name that I don't know how to pronounce. Because again, I didn't learn Greek. And so these two guys go, and so the first guy's like, oh, yes, I agree, I was also wronged by Zeus. And the second guy's like, oh, right, yeah, let's go. This will be a fun time. And so they go. That's day number one. Uh, so they go off on their trip. Day number three, they find a woman who was also wrong. She lost her business, which is not good. Because if anyone loses a business, never good. And so they travel. It turns out she also has a vendetta against like half the other gods in the pantheon because, you know, they didn't answer her prayers. Oh, no. That's not good. Anyway, so this woman, I'm... Okay, what voice do I do for this person? Um, ooh. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess we can talk like this. She's a very point. Just imagine Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I guess. So she goes for a vendetta about her business. That's day number two. And they go. So about a week goes by, and they're walking the entire way because... For some reason, there's no carts or rides or donkeys because they're just all gone. Because of this, they start to collect a larger and larger group a lot of people that have been wronged by not only Zeus, but also other gods. And so you get you know, the, uh, the sound of the people traveling as they go with no horses or anything like that. Why was I making the horse sound? Um, yeah, so they travel along, and so the first guy, he starts talking with guy number two uh, to learn about this guy as well. So guy number one, he goes, all right, so why are you coming along? And it was obviously, again, he says his business was, or whatever the reason was for guy number two. He's like, oh, yes, I just want to go kill that guy. Uh, he's a bit of a, you know, I uh, can't use that word. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a bit of a prick. Let's go and see what that for. Um, so then they continue to learn a bit more, and so it turns out guy number two had a family, and uh, they died while he was gone at war as well. 
Eventually they make it to Mount Olympus. Now they have to hike up Mount Olympus, which is not fun, especially for someone like me, because I get winded very easily and I'm, all, I'm a bit bigger because, you know, <laughs> I like food. Um, <laughs> but, so they make it to Mount Olympus, but the thing is, Zeus already was in preparation for this, knowing that there was kind of a larger group of people coming. And then you see Zeus at the top of the mountain, he's like, oh no, that's not going to be good. I need to, you know, get rid of these people somehow. And so he sends down a bunch of archangels to, you know, defend Mount Olympus. So this massive battle ensues with lots of swords and fighting and crying and people crapping themselves because they're scared and running away. And like, oh no, And all these other things happen in this ensuing battle to look for life and death and about wrongful birthing and children and odd weird reasons from the Greco-Roman era that could have popped up at this time. I don't know any of the topical issues, but I do know they had some. Because, you know, otherwise that there wouldn't be any history about love and romance and anything that ensued from that. And I actually am losing my train of thought, not knowing where this is going to go. But this is fun. Uh, so anyway, guy number two eventually makes his way up the mountain. He found a back road. And he's, oh, I'm very good at finding back roads. It's a lot of fun. Um, again, Irish, they know a lot of back roads into a lot of things. They have too many fingers and too many pies. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> take that as you will. I don't even know how to interpret that myself. Um, so he makes it up to Mount Olympus and finds Zeus in his bronze level chambers. I was actually reading on Greek history earlier, and apparently he has his own bronze level uh, bed chambers and level in the mountain. I guess there's a silver and gold in that level as well. I guess he needs to be upgraded. Eventually, he can get to platinum, which is quite nice, apparently, but that's only for other gods. Anyway, so this stout little Irish Italian guy, I guess, uh, he's, oh, there is the Zeus. I will, you know, cut him, and I will attack him in battle. And then Zeus looks up and is like, no, you won't, and snaps, and he's gone. I like that guy. Uh, <laughs> even though I don't know his name. Anyway, so the first guy eventually fights his way through up to the top of Mount Olympus. Makes it to the cradle, and realizes he actually made it to the platinum level, which is where the council chambers are. And he's like, oh, shoot, I'm too high. Should have smoked that. And then walks his way back down. And eventually makes it to Zeus. They're just losing it, okay. Um, yeah, so he makes it eventually to Zeus, and there's this massive battle, and Zeus is smiting things, and he's flipping his bed trying to find the guy, and just all over the place. And eventually this guy, he's much shorter. Imagine I'm Zeus, because, you know, I'm just that amazing pretty god, and I have a figure. It's amazing, you know? <laughs> and yes, I did just call myself a pretty god, even though I, well, I can eat like one for sure. Uh... <laughs> Anyway, so this guy is, like, imagine me as a Greek god. This guy only comes up to about the knee. So it's kind of like, you know, a little kid trying to fight an adult who's like seven foot four. So you know, the, the thing is, Zeus, not necessarily the smartest guy in the world. You know why? Because he doesn't realize he can actually just drop kick him over the back fence. Because he's a god. He's smarter and better than that. Because he is Zeus. Apparently. Um, yeah, turns out this, uh, other first guy, Italian guy, Greek guy, whatever you want to call him, he's a short with a beard, um, attacks him. 
at the ankle. That's how Achilles got the Achilles heel, because, you know, Zeus, I'm making this part up, has the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> I can do that because, you know, most of history is written by the winners, which means it's not entirely true. But it's a lot of fun that I can make up my own things, because, you know, I can. It's a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, so basically this guy, you know, hacks away at, like, what is equivalent to, like, a red cedar tree from California. Massive ankle. First, hack it away with this toothpick. Realize that's not going to work because this thing's just breaking. So this guy's trying to find other things. Eventually, the rest of the army comes up, and out of nowhere, uh, what's another Greek god? A Greek god of life. I don't remember all their names. Does anyone know their names? No. Ares. Let's go with Ares because that's the only one I can remember. Um, so anyway, Ares, whatever they do, brings back the Irish Italian Greek guy because he's so much fun. And he comes along and has this massive spear, about like five times his size. So just imagine from me to about the ceiling, from the floor to the ceiling, not me, my head, but uh, the floor to the ceiling, this massive spear. So this guy takes it, and has everyone seen Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring? Yeah! Remember the scene with the massive cave troll orc thing in the tomb of whatever that dwarf's name was? Um, Sure, yes. And that's just imagine that with this big guy being like speared through the gut. Blood's going everywhere, and he's bleeding, and it's not even red because he's a god. And he's amazing, so his blood's even a different color. And he is just in, in skewered. That's what he is. <laughs> and yeah, eventually these guys battle so much. And guy number two is like, Yes, I did it! I got the god! Holy shit! Whoa! And he, this guy is just like so astounded at what he did. Yeah, and it turns out the store he had, I think it was the store he had that was stolen, the store he eventually had was actually an ink and quill store, which is very simple, but so this guy did like nothing with his life. Eventually imagine me as this guy. That would be a perfect representation. The guy with a bit of a gut, likes to drink and eat and smoke as much as he can from a pipe, with pipe tobacco, nothing crazy, because this guy is apparently very smart. Uh, Yeah, so basically it's just like a random Joe like me ends up killing a god. And it's amazing. Basically, the premise of the story, I think, I hope, is the fact that an average guy that might seem a bit loopy can actually do anything he wants, like killing gods, which is a lot of fun, apparently. So I've told. And eventually they go back to their respective areas, and eventually they end up having to go take care of another god, like years later, because someone took Zeus's spot. Never fun. Especially trying to fill those massive shoes. Actually, sandals. They don't have shoes. They have sandals. So imagine filling those holes of sandals trying to fill Zeus's spot. Which is never fun. Eventually, there's even an even crazier guy. Let's uh, put him as Scottish. I can do a thick Scottish accent for sure. Yeah. It's a lot of fun doing a Scottish Go accent. Scott. Yeah. Bravehearts. Woo! And yes, there's this, I, there's this Scottish guy. By this point, let's say a few thousand years have gone by. Scotland's created, Ireland's created. And there's a Scottish guy that is pissed off. When are they not? And he eventually makes his way to Mount Olympus to then kill the other gods that have taken over. And this guy's, oh no, you lad, you better not do that. Yeah, tart. And eventually makes his way up to uh, Mount Olympus with the entire nation of Scotland drinking everything in sight to get there. That's their payment. And he eventually kills every other god. And that's how the Greek mythology was defeated. There's no more gods because of that one crazy Scottish guy, which started off with a crazy Irish guy, 
which started off with a guy that ended up getting his wife pregnant from Zeus. Actually, no, he didn't get his wife pregnant because he was off the war. <laughs> that was the story. He was off the war, he got screwed over, kills a god. But not really, because the other guy did kill the god. This is a very convoluted story, but I think the moral of the story is something. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I will. <laughs>